You're listening to the Lean Six Sigma for Good podcast. We help you learn how Lean and Six Sigma concepts can be applied to nonprofits, NGOs, and not-for-profit organizations. Visit us at LeanSixSigmaForGood.com. Okay, today I've got Tim Turner. We're going to talk about some of his work at Toyota, the book chapter that he put together for the Lean Six Sigma for Good, as well as his own book. They wrote and compiled from different Toyota employees, which I thought was really interesting. So to start it off, Tim, do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and then how you ended up at Toyota in Kentucky? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, Brian, first off, thank you for the opportunity to share a little bit about the story and, and for the work you're doing, um, you know, with putting together these books just to help make the world a better place through all works, which I think is an awesome thing. So thank you for that. My, my name is Tim Turner, and I I, um, I worked at TMMK, which is Toyota Motor Manufacturing of Kentucky. Um, I started there in 1995, and I worked there for a little over 22 years. In my time at, at Toyota, I, uh, I worked uh, mainly in assembly. I did work in safety for about six years. But, uh, but I actually had the opportunity to help launch the Lexus plant, which was a huge, amazing um, opportunity and learning experience. So, um, but my background before Toyota, I uh, lived in northern Kentucky, uh, greater Cincinnati area. I actually worked for my uncle, a uh, company he had called Triangle Fire Protection, and we installed uh, fire sprinklers. I've been probably in every high-rise in downtown Cincinnati, so... Um, that was a pretty cool experience before I got into the manufacturing world. What's the significance of the triangle? You have it on your consulting group as well. Um, is that the yeah. uh, tri-city area or regional designation? Uh, you know, for, for, for my uncle originally, um, you know, which for me, when I named my, my business Triangle Consulting Group, I named it after his business. And for him, I think it probably was there were three partners for his business. And uh, and I think that's probably what it stems from. But but for me, it's looking at um, three points um, to make it to make a good organization, which is leadership, um, business or outreach opportunities for business and community. So so um, my business model really is helping companies um, work on those three aspects of their organization. Cool. I worked. Um, really all over southern Ohio, uh, southeastern Indiana, and then northern Kentucky. And then in, uh, in 1995, after three years of being in the hiring pool, I got hired with uh, Toyota in Georgetown, Kentucky. And one interesting thing about the Georgetown, Kentucky plant is it is actually the biggest Toyota plant as far as volume uh, in the world. They, uh, they produce about they, they are capable of producing about 550,000 cars a year out of that location. So it's, uh, you know, I, I went from working for a construction company of about 20 employees to going to this place that's, you know, very diverse atmosphere, people from all over the state of Kentucky. At You know, at one time, um, there was someone working at TMMK from every county in the state of Kentucky. So people would drive two or three hours each way to come to work. So it was a very, uh, very diverse workplace. And uh, so that was a, you know, that was a big change for me and helped grow me as a person. And uh, yeah, that a, kind of 
that blew my mind when I was reading through your book, like just the, the, the time it took for people to get into Toyota, how lucrative a job it was, how uh, some people were years, you said three years it took you to get in. Um, yeah. Sounded like that's pretty, you know, one to three years is pretty typical for a lot of people. It, it is. And now, now they actually have, um, when I got hired in before they really went into the, um, started hiring through the variable workforce or the temp agencies. Now you can get in a little bit faster and then you'll be a, a temporary there for three years before they'll hire you full time. So, um, this is a little bit different timing for me. Uh, but yeah, it took me three years and two months, uh, to, to get hired uh, from the day I put my application in till the day I walked into the building. Yeah, that's unbelievable. And there really is nothing like it. Even as of now, you know, Kentucky's known for having a lot of manufacturing, and it's awesome. They, you know, their Ford is in Louisville. Uh, the only Corvette factory in the world is in Bowling Green, Kentucky, which is about three and a half hours uh, from Georgetown. So, um, but in Eastern Kentucky and Central Kentucky, there's really nothing like um, Toyota. So we just brought in a lot of people, um, a lot of people that worked in the coal mines before left the coal mines and, you know, in the danger of the coal mines to come work at the factory. And, and uh, so some, some of my best friends uh, were for, and actually one of the gentlemen that I dedicated my book to was a, um, was a, a former coal miner that came to Toyota to work. Yeah. So it's a, it seemed like just such a huge opportunity for the region to get Toyota set up shop there. I think that's evident in these stories. Yeah, and it, it's really, it's really cool. The, um, you know, I think it demonstrated um, how Kentuckians can adapt to different cultures. And that was one thing that whenever I, I put my book together, I tried to capture that. Um, it's just Kentucky. Kentucky has a, has a stigma, right, of maybe not being the most educated and, you know, and different things like that. And they just took a hold of the Japanese culture and the Japanese embraced the Kentucky culture. And it, it just created this great. A partnership or marriage to launch this world-class factory and that, that really did change our area. Can you talk to the book a little bit? It's called uh, One Team on All Levels and it's a story from different Toyota employees which just the sheer number of stories was just impressive but I was just trying to as I was reading through it I was like I wonder if other companies would be able to put together a book like this and my, my gut feel is they wouldn't they wouldn't have these kind of examples and as much like love for the company. It's, it's pretty impressive. Um, can you just share kind of how this came together? Absolutely. It's, it's pretty amazing, really. And uh, it was an, during the economic downturn in 2008, 2009, you know, I kind of got the idea. So I started reaching out to team members and, and team members, you know, started showing interest in it. And that's the thing. It wasn't a company issued book. I had to, um, it took me a year to get the book approved for the company to let me publish it. Uh, it. It only took about three months to put it together and it took a year to get it approved. Toyota wasn't out trying to back this as a company. This was just something the team members decided they wanted to be a part of it. And, uh, my networking skills were, was already pretty good, and the book took it to another level. And, uh, you know, so I just started reaching out to different people, and then I came up with the idea of choosing someone from every level of the company. And, and, and that's one, you know, unique thing about, about Toyota 
is um, it's an open door policy. We can go up to a general manager or even the president and talk with them. You know, after we started writing the book and the economic downturn hit and things, I actually started sending as the stories would come into me. I would send them to the president of the fa- of the plant, uh, Steve San Angelo, and then he would forward that on to the other presidents of the plants. And you know, and they're having the stressful job of trying to manage through the economic downturn and how are they going to keep everyone working even though the plants aren't running. And, you know, at that time, Toyota didn't lay off anyone, the the variable workforce. You know, they those that got let go from the variable workforce, they actually helped them find another job. Uh, and then they were still in the hiring pool to get hired full time when their when their time came up. So the presidents, you know, were struggling. Um, you know, their morale was getting beat up, too, because it was just a tough time for everyone. So so this book kind of became a level of inspiration for everybody involved. It was a pretty cool opportunity, and I set it up just to show that I wasn't doing it for personal gain or anything. I set the book up. We have a nonprofit within the factory that's called the Toyota Benevolent Fund. And and what they do is if a team member's house burns down or maybe they have a loved one that passes away and, and they don't have money to get to to travel for the funeral, Toyota I will take money out of this fund and give it to that team member to help them out. So there's actually a chapter in the book of some stories about that fund. So I set up the proceeds, any money made from the book. I'm not even the middle person. I don't, I don't have any idea what it's made because I set it up that all those proceeds goes directly to that nonprofit. And at the time it really was about, you know, everybody was, um, was nervous and it was really just a chance to, uh, to share what good has came you know, from our employment there and what good does come from a company like that being in America. So and I just wanted, I just felt neat. It was needed to share that story at that point in time. So that was really what the book was about. I'm really proud of it because over 80 team members gave of their time and wrote, wrote it at home and emailed it to me and I copied and pasted it and put it together. So that that's kind of how the book came to be. Yeah. I like the fact that it's in their own words and, you know, everyone has their own different, unique writing style, and so, but it comes through like their their story, whatever format. If it had been like edited down, I think that would have right. taken away most of the the impact. I, I agree, and, and you know, and and I did cha- I did um, struggle with that. Do I do I fix the grammar, or do I just you know make it to where it's readable and let it go? And I chose to go that route for that very reason because we could have polished it, and it would have just been it wouldn't have been as personal. So that was a big reason why I left it the way I did. And so what was your role in Toyota to have all the connection with the different uh, people to pull their stories from this? Can you talk through the different jobs you've had? My, my role at Toyota, I was a team leader the majority of my time there. But while I was putting the book together, I was the safety team leader. So I did have you know, a little I, – I, that's how my networking skills came to be because I was – the safety, basically a safety specialist for Assembly One, basically responsible for about five to 600 people. So uh, I got to, the majority of the people that wrote for the book were from Assembly One just because that's where my network was at. In my time there, I was a team leader. I started off as a team member and worked in trim and chassis section. So I, I uh, installed the engine and the rear suspension. Uh, then I went to... Uh, got promoted to team leader, 
and was a team leader in chassis and then moved to final section. And uh, in final section, we installed the seats on the line I worked on. And that was the hardest job I did there was installing seats. From there, I went to uh, safety for six years. Then I went to tram section. And then I went and helped launch the Lexus plant. So at the Lexus plant, I was the quality team leader for assembly. And uh, and we actually, the Lexus plant, we actually went in and they brought in all the team leaders about 15 months before we built the first car. So they gave us 15 months to train. And, and that's really how that, that preparation is really, you know, how that plant won the Platinum Award for J.D. Powers in its first year because we were trained in and ready to build. And uh, that was, from a learning experience, that was probably uh, the greatest learning experience. And, and that experience is what gave me the courage to launch out and start my own business, which is kind of where I'm at now. Do you want to kind of talk about some of the work you're doing now? I started a, a consulting business, and uh, I have about 40 retired uh, Toyota team members, team leaders, group leaders, and assistant managers. And we we go out and companies that need help, uh, we help those companies. And then we also are subcontractors with bigger consulting firms. So say a larger consulting firm needs, uh, you know, needs some manpower and needs some, you know, good experience maybe to teach the team leader position or, you know, or, or different aspects like that, then they then they they use us so it's been uh you know awesome once again it goes back to my networking a, a lot of the people that are on my team uh wrote for my book in 2009 so i, I uh, have a lot of really good people that uh that are on my team and and we just go and and uh, just take our knowledge and do what we can to make the world a better place one big thing about the toyota way is even though they don't say it it's very much a servant leadership style leadership system. So one, one thing that I did after I retired from Toyota is I became a John Maxwell certified speaker trainer coach. So I'm actually licensed uh, to teach on five of his books. And uh, so that was just another avenue that I have to teach leadership and culture to companies when we go in. You know, and we can go in and set up the basic lean principles culture, team, um, leadership. Uh, we can do a lot. We do a lot of work. One thing I really love is um, a program that I started through my company called Impact, and, and we'll get into that here in a little bit, but that's some of the work with helping companies to do community outreach. One project that I did at Toyota, I was um, president of a business partnering group there called the Toyota Christian Fellowship, and we partnered with a local Toyota dealership in uh, in Richmond, Kentucky, called Toyota South, and um, each month of May, um, for every car that they sell, they agreed to buy a bicycle. These bicycles are then on uh, the first Saturday in June, and, and COVID slowed us down this year, but but we'll still do it later on in the year. But usually the first year of June, we we go down there and we actually set up a, an assembly line in the showroom of a Toyota dealership. And Toyota team members volunteer their Saturday, and they come down, and we build bicycles just like we build cars on the assembly line. And the customers can come in and see the Toyota production system in action. 
and, and then we give those bicycles to foster kids. And the foster kids get to come to the dealership, and they get to uh, ride their bike off the end of the line and take it out and take it for a test drive around the parking lot of the dealership, and then they get to load it in their vehicle and take it home. So it's pretty cool because a lot of these foster kids, it's the first new thing that they've ever been given. They're, they're normally given hand-me-downs. So, right, um, right. You know, so these kids, their eyes just light up, and it's just an uh, an amazing thing. So, so one thing with my business that I offer is I offer that system. So, say uh, a company wants to do an outreach and they want to build bicycles, we can partner. We can find you a partner, um, you know, and, and that's willing to front the money for those bikes, and then. Uh, the hardest part, really, with a bicycle was finding one that's not already assembled. Because if you go to Walmart or places like that, they they usually assemble those bikes and they're ready to sell. So it's really hard to find a hundred bicycles that, that aren't assembled. So, um, <laughs> but we find those bikes, we have them delivered, and then uh, and then we build those, and then we find foster agencies nearby, and we partner with them and. You know, and then your your business gets the credit for doing an outreach like that. That that's one of my impact program. Uh, yeah, I think I've, I've got some videos for that. I'll post or I'll add to the notes of this interview that they can check out. I think there's one or two different videos that I saw. There, so yeah, we we did that bike build, and then we partnered with another Toyota dealership, um, Frankfurt Toyota in uh, in Frankfurt, Kentucky, and we yep. uh, there we um, put school supplies in brand new backpacks and gave them to foster kids. And they actually sponsored 300 foster kids. So that was uh, pretty amazing. We, we called all the different schools and found out what are the specific uh, items that, you know, what's the school list for third grade, what's the school list for fifth grade, and so forth. And then we did like a kit boxing style. We taught, we taught the customers how to kit box, and we kit boxed them. We put a manifest on each backpack, and then we stuffed it full of the exact items that was supposed to be in it, and then we labeled it that it goes to, you know, to little Susie or whoever it is, and then Susie came and got her backpack, and so that was that was another really fun um, impact opportunity that we, that we did. Um, yeah, I remember that video as well. I'll add that to the list. Um, it was the. Is there a training element of this too, or? Is that something else I'm there, thinking about, like the workshop or? A... No, there, there actually is. So, so you know, depending on what a company wanted, but if they wanted to do um, the one week long program, we we actually go in and, and we we train the the people how to um, how to build a, an assembly line using uh, flex pipe or like a creeform type um, pipe and fitting system. And we build we build the assembly line, and we write our own standardized work, and we design it. We take a week to to build our assembly line, write our standardized work, do time studies. We teach all the elements of of lean, and then on Friday we build however many bikes that that customer wants to provide. So it's a it's a week long training that the that the company gets to give. Um, you know, usually about. 20 employees and then on Friday they get to give those bikes to the foster kids so then they gain that community outreach you know opportunity and, and uh, you know the benefits of you know being able to show it that they're a good community partner yeah that sounds like a great program 
How did that come out, the, the bike um, donation program? How did that get started? That actually got started. There was a gentleman named Bud Gates, and, and he was uh, the father of the gentleman um, that owned Toyota South, which his name is Steve Gates. And, and I got to know Steve through some, some networking opportunities, and, and I got to know Bud, and uh, Bud was an awesome, awesome human being. Just, he just loved kids. He loved animals. Just such a great guy. And, and after he passed away, I started thinking, how could we honor Bud and, you know, and do something nice, do something good for the world? And uh, so I started brainstorming and, and just came up with the idea to do the, the bike build. And, uh, and I presented it to Steve and, you know, of course he was 110% on board to get to do something good for the community and honor his dad at the same time. So, so the bike build is actually called the, the Bud Gates bike drive. And that's an honor of Steve's dad. Very cool. If you like this topic, please check out Lean Six Sigma for Good, Lessons from the Gemba. Volume one is released and available through Amazon. We will soon have an audible version coming out early 2020, and we're working on Volume 2 as we speak. Volume 1 has eight chapters written by different authors who share their experiences applying Lean and Six Sigma to not-for-profit organizations. All proceeds from the sales of the book series will go to the nonprofits selected by the authors. Thanks for your support. Let's talk about your work with LexPro, um, how that started, how that worked in its way into Toyota, and a little bit on that program. Yeah, absolutely. So, so it kind of goes almost hand in hand with the timing of the book. The uh, um, the president of Toyota at the time, uh, Steve St. Angelo, he, he actually went on to be the CEO of Toyota in South America. But um, his wife was a retired um, special education teacher in Michigan. So he had a heart for people with intellectual disabilities. And and the director of LexPro uh Ran into Steve somewhere out in the community at a in a community networking event and told him about his organization and Steve got interested in it and started studying it and and then he he came to me one day and said uh, I have a challenge for you Tim and and keep in mind I'm a team leader so there's about six levels between us but uh, so you know that kind of shows the the mentality of Toyota leadership which I think mm-hmm. is you know one of the secrets to Toyota. And, and he came to me and said, I have a challenge for you. I'd, I'd like to find work for these people um, that have developmental disabilities because uh, LexPro, uh, before 2008, their number one customer was Rand McNally. Well, when GPS, um, you know, hit and, uh, and everybody had a smartphone, there was really no more need for road atlases. So, so their, their biggest <laughs> stopped. And uh, their biggest customers stopped, and they would use them to package them all. So, so now all of a sudden, Lexpro's in a jam, and they need some help. And Steve came to me and said, "Can you find work for these folks?" So, so I started looking. I, re- I reached out to about 40, um, 40 team members in my network. Said, "Hey, if, um, be on the lookout for something that this group can subassemble. It's got to be easy. It's got to be fail-proof." Um, you know, because they are people with intellectual disabilities, and we want to make sure that the quality is never sacrificed in any way on the car. So, so let's see if we can't find that perfect part. One day, a, a team member came up to me and said, hey, I think I found your part, and it was the exhaust bracket. And the exhaust bracket has a rubber bushing that goes on it, 
and the exhaust bracket gets shot to the body, and then it gets this rubber bushing put on it, and then the tailpipe or whatever the exhaust is, it gets pushed into the other end of the rubber bushing. So we started looking at that and um, decided that would be the perfect part. So then the challenge came in to do we take the parts to Lexpro's office or do we bring the Lexpro people to the plant? So we started off wanting to take the work there and uh, quickly realized, you know, that due to contracts and things like that, the suppliers guarantee the quality of their parts to the Toyota factory. So going to a, a middle stop wasn't going to work. So we, they decided that we would go ahead and take it to um, – we would bring the workers to Toyota. And the, so the workers, they, uh, 10 years later, they still come to work every day and they subassemble these parts and, and they do enough for assembly one and assembly two, both shifts, and they do them in about four hours. There's uh, four to five team members that come in daily and, and they come in and they, uh, they just subassemble those parts and they are so proud to collect the paycheck and, uh, you know, to get to say that they work at Toyota and, and um, you know, often that that group of people is often the forgotten group. And, uh, you know, as a society, we tend to want to uh, put them in a day program somewhere and hide them away and, you know, and not let not really let them be a part of society. But they desperately want to be and they add so much value to the world, you know, through their innocent nature and their good nature and. And um, they have so much value that the, the Toyota team loves them. They, uh, they actually kind of adopt them, and they buy them Christmas gifts every year at Christmas, and they have a Christmas party for them. And, you know, and they just really just um, started fitting in with the team. They have lunch with the team members, and, you know, they're just a part of the, part of the organization. Yeah, I was fortunate to go visit the Lighthouse of the Blind up in Seattle. I think it's sounds very similar they had their own facility and factory though it wasn't inside of another company but yeah it was just really impressive and i think just uh each of the individual workers that were feeling like they were able to contribute and these are you know this is not easy stuff they're working on there's some military equipment and items and the, they could find a role for each person and um, it was pretty impressive yeah yeah and and they really are just so proud to be able to say that they you know, that they're working for a company like that. And um, when, when we did the LexPro, um, Diversity Inc. magazine actually chose it as one of the top 10 diversity projects um, in 2012. So myself and the manager at the time, Dave Warner, uh, we got to go to Diversity Inc.'s Innovation Fest and present that in front of about 200 um, leaders and executives for diversity. So that was wow. That was another cool opportunity to get to do. And you said you're still involved with that? I actually now have that contract, and I hired those same workers for for different reasons. The nonprofit itself, um, the little organization that they were in, um, they had to change some things structurally and organization-wide. So, um, so they actually – I hired those same workers, and still they go to Toyota every day, and they work every day, and – and, you know, and that's one thing that my company can offer through that impact program is if an organization wants to do something like this, we can come in and help determine what would be a good part, uh, find another, you know, find a partner organization locally and train up those workers to where they can come in and safely 
uh, work in your factory. So that that's another um, thing from that community aspect um, that that TCG can offer a company. Uh, can you? I want to go back a little bit. You had talked about servant leadership. I'm assuming a lot of people understand what that is, but just in case, um, how do you describe servant servant leadership um, and maybe how it fits in with the TPS or how you experience that at Toyota? Absolutely. So, so servant leadership it gets a it gets somewhat of a negative stereotype because you know people think that servant leadership is just being nice and you know, and uh, just trying to make everybody happy all the time. But really what servant leadership is giving people what they need, not necessarily what they want. You know, and if you can give them what they want and it not cost the company, you know, in a negative way, then by all means we should do that from a society standpoint. But servant leadership really is giving people what they need uh, to be successful in life. And uh, um, so so that's really, you know, what it boils down to. And then um, – um, it's it's having empathy, and empathy is one of my favorite words, uh, just because I think it will solve a lot of the world's problems if we could, you know, if we could kind of understand the next person and, and put ourselves in, in their shoes and, and see the issues from their perspective. So I think empathy is huge. Um, just some of the values for me that makes a good servant leader is trust, you know, and it's how can you focus on um, building a trusting relationship, uh, resilience, uh, never giving up in the face of difficulty. You know, for me, that's that's an important value for servant leadership. Um, always being innovative. You know, what are those unique opportunities and and need, you know, and that we can do that can actually um, help solve the needs of the people around us. Um, always being a, you know, adapt, being able to adapt, um, you know, gratitude, being thankful for where we're at, you know, in in life. And, you know, for good and bad, we all still have something to be thankful for. I think that's an important aspect of servant leadership, striving and teaching people to have a learning culture. The people that think that they know it all are often the ones that are going to struggle the most in life. So if, if we can always <laughs> learn to have a, if we can always learn to have a learning culture, that's a benefit. And then, uh, um, you know, character, um, you know, try to pass positive judgments on to others. Uh, and, you know, until you learn all the facts and then if someone needs to be coached, that's what they need, you coach them. And then servant leadership often creates game-changing opportunities. So so I am, uh, I'm, I'm actually a, a, a pastor at one of my, at my church. I'm a family pastor. So servant leadership from a, you know, just from a moral standpoint is very important for me. Yeah, that's great. I'm hoping that that is starting to change, that companies are realizing that um, the old kind of command and control approach of the leader knows the answers and has all the answers and ex- expected to know the answers and and they're the smartest person and they get to dictate how everyone else operates and follow my, my commands. And I'm hoping people are starting to realize that's a, not a very effective model, um, especially yeah. long term. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, uh, I one time shared that, that I read The Art of War and a really good servant leadership person, you know, a mentor that I had said, you know, be careful with that book, you know. And, and I said, well, I'm reading it so I can kind of understand how other people think, <laughs> you know. <and> the, <laughs> I didn't put anything in it, hardly. 
you know, but but it's like it's like what makes people think the way they think, right? And back in the fifties and sixties, you know, the Art of War was probably the number one leadership book. I think I oh, think wow. it was mandatory reading probably back then for any corporate leader, and and so it's really good to see that there's a shift in leadership thinking, and you know, and it, it's been happening since the seventies, but it seems like at this point in time, it's really finally starting to. Uh, to change and for the better. Yeah, let's hope so. Now, I think that some of the other elements you talked about there are very timely as well today with, you know, listening and understanding and empathy. And I mean, all those things are so important. And I think we're seeing the effects that those haven't been happening as are in our society. And so right. I think some of these right. principles and are actually well aligned with where we need to be going. I, I agree. And I think that they can, uh, they can they can definitely change the world if everyone would follow these. You know, it's it's I say two two wrongs doesn't make a right, and you know, and so you got to look at you got to look at empathy from both sides of the spectrum and and try to find middle ground. And I think you know in today's society that's not happening like it needs to be. So hopefully um, we'll see a paradigm shift in that, and we can start having some good dialogue to fix things that truly need to be fixed. Can you talk about uh, CQPO? What is the organization? How did you get involved with it? Um, what are they trying to work on or accomplish? Acronym here is Center for Quality People and Organizations. Yep, absolutely. Um, CQPO is uh, a gentleman named Mike Hoseas. Uh, he, he wrote the book uh, Toyota Culture. He co-wrote it with Jeffrey Liker. And uh, which is an excellent, excellent book. I, that's the, that's one of my top three books that I tell people that they need to read if they're wanting to, you know, go to a Toyota uh, system. But uh, Mike actually started CQPO, um, and what we do is we go in and we teach Toyota production system basics in the high schools, and then he, he also does it with businesses, but. But we actually go in and we do a four-day class with the high schools, and then they get to end their day or end their four-four-day class with a trip on the fifth day to visit the Toyota factory and see everything that they've learned in action. So it, it works out really good because we're training up Toyota's future workforce. So it's it's good for everybody all the way around. And and that's uh, I really got involved with that in about the last 16 months. And, and Mike does these conferences where companies come in and and he does these full conferences. And I started getting involved because he would ask me to be a guest speaker. And then from there, he started asking if I'd be interested in helping teach the high school kids. So I started doing that last year. So hopefully next year, you know, with everything going on, we can get back to normal and we'll be able to start teaching those kids again next year. We're looking at possibly doing an online program to where other states even could uh, could get the curriculum if, if we have to go to more of an online classroom setting um, for next year. So just a couple options we're looking at doing. What's that engagement look like prior to the COVID <laughs> when you're on site? Um, is it how many hours? What kind of topics? Is there, can you just talk yep. through that a little bit? Yep, it's, it's, uh, it's five hours uh, a day. Um, four days of classroom training, and then we do a field trip day to Toyota, 
And then we do a field trip day to UK's College of Engineering at the University of Kentucky's College of Engineering. But um, the four classroom days, we teach the basic tools of lean. We teach um, Kaizen. Uh, we teach um, human relations, we, you know, culture. Um, we teach Kaizans. We teach the pull system. Uh, just the, We teach a little bit about 5S, just the very basics, you know, to, to, get, their, to get their mind thinking right whenever they start going out into the workplace and they start hearing these concepts, they have some understanding of what, they're, what the companies are talking about. And, um, and then the, the field trips to UK and, you know, Toyota, they kind of speak for themselves. They're uh, really good learning opportunities. But the, um, the, the classroom training is a lot of fun. It's very um, interactive. We normally have about 20 um, 20 kids in the classroom when there's two instructors, and it, it's very interactive. We teach standardized work by building a paper airplane. You know, we do a couple of exercises like that, so just to try to make it fun and uh, and and interactive for the kids. So it, it's been it's been a great class. They've been teaching it for about probably about 10 or 12 years now, and uh, the gentleman that always taught it is you know he's at the age that he's ready to start thinking about retiring so mike's looking at a you know a succession plan and i just thankful that i'm a part of that succession plan so it's pr pretty good opportunity you know i think some of these skills are something that is lacking in our school systems i mean i think just problem solving and you know working together as teams i mean there's there's groups group assignments and stuff but I think, you know, working together on a problem and working through a PDCA cycle or um, learning to try out ideas and, um, you know, get to the root cause, I think those are things that I don't remember learning about or uh, it was almost not until I started working did I start to really learn those techniques. And so, yeah, I think that's an awesome program to kind of embed that thinking early. It's a great time to, to expose people to that. Yep, and and the kids really they you know most of them are juniors or seniors in high school and and you know they're getting ready to go out into the world so so it's um it it's really a good opportunity for the kids and for us to you know to get to teach those kids and feel like you know we're helping out the next generation I'm I'm really I'm really proud of of my involvement with with CQPO and I'll add a link to that website as well um, along with the Toyota Culture book and your book um, and okay. the videos of the bike video uh, assembly donation process, the school supplies video, your consulting firm and the impact program. Anything else you wanted to share or talk about? You know, I can't, I can't think of anything right off. We, um, um, we, we also do some fundamental skills um, training tables that, that we can provide and teach and it's basically teaching your team members how to shoot bolts and nuts and, and things like that so um, I actually just made a trip out I was actually in, in kind of in your neck of the woods Brian I I traveled drove 4100 miles last week and drove from uh, Georgetown Kentucky to Casa Grande Arizona to make a delivery and then drove back home and did all that in seven days so pretty big trek across the United States twice and uh Got to see the Grand Canyon for the first time, so that was that was really cool. But but really, if a company has a need, 
one one thing you know that I've tried to do is is if a company reaches out to me and they have a need, I want to be able to make one phone call and meet that need. I've partnered with a lot of companies, you know, to uh, to to be able to do that. And you know, if it's if it's a company needs a specialized kind of tape, uh, one phone call I can get it for them. So um, you know, really, it's it's anything like that, software, anything like that. So I've tried to really think through my business and and what would be the needs of my clients, and can I make one phone call? You know what? You know that old game. Um, six degrees of separation or whatever it was. I, I, I want to be one degree away from being able to solve somebody's problem. <laughs> wow. Yep. So that, that's really, whenever I started planning my business, that's really what I looked at is, is how can I meet the needs quickly, you know, uh, of my clients and customers and get them what they need and help them solve their problems as fast as I can. So, so, you know, that's really um, kind of what I'm all about. What are some of the, the clients that you're working with or like what are your ideal clients, I guess, that you're looking to connect with and reach out and work with? Automotive suppliers. Um, I would really love to be able to help a hospital um, or or a nursing home be able to, uh, you know, to to take the Toyota principles and be able to apply it to where they can take care of more people and uh, be more efficient and their quality of service even be better. So, uh, I would love to be able to do, a, you know, to work with a hospital. My biggest client right now is Lucid Motors in uh, in Casa Grande, Arizona, and they're launching an electric car factory. And right now, they're actually located in Newark, uh, California. But uh, they're building a factory in Arizona, and that, that's where I delivered the training tables to last week. So. Um, it's really cool to get to see, you know, this brand new car coming together and, and going to market and, uh, it's going to be groundbreaking it. I think it gets about 450 miles on a charge. So I'm pretty excited about, uh, my involvement with that company, even if it's just a, just a little bit, which is what it is. Um, one, one of my clients is the Toyota factory in Georgetown. So it, it was good to go back home. And, um, so, so really anything automotive related, um, Healthcare. I, I really want to be able to help out a, a nonprofit every year, which which I'm doing now. I've partnered with two nonprofits in the Kentucky area, but uh, but that's all pro bono work. So I really like to help out nonprofits as well. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I wasn't aware of Lucid. I just looked at it. it looks pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's a really cool, really cool car company. They uh, they would they'll be one to watch for the future for sure. Great. Uh, I really appreciate your time. I think this is uh, is really good to and just kind of for even for myself to get the all the pieces put back together again on some of your work and uh, yeah, I hope to hear more about the stuff you're doing and I really like the uh, this idea of partnering with the companies to uh, combine that with outreach and you know get their employees engaged in that process maybe through a workshop but at the end of it you're providing something of value to the community um, while everyone's getting a chance to learn and, and work together and um, I think that's really cool and then getting into the schools and working with our youth and getting them skills coming out of the gate uh, they're better able to be more effective and you know, solve problems together in a way that we, as we know these are 
times when we need to solve a lot of problems. So um, I think that skill set is really powerful. So those are awesome programs. Yeah, and thank thank you, Brian. I appreciate the opportunity and your time and uh, and all the work that you're doing to make the world a better place. I just think it's it's awesome what you're doing, and I'm happy to support you and you know and and be able to help. So great great work on your side as well. Thank you very much. Anything else you want to add? Um, nope, nope. I believe that's it. All right, cool. Thank you so much. You have a you have a great day. Okay, you too. Are you interested in learning more about Lean and Six Sigma? Or are you looking to expand your existing skills to apply them to environmental impacts at your work or in the local community? Check out our free online course called Lean Six Sigma and the Environment on thinkific.com. We'll teach you about the Lean Forms of Waste and Waste Walks, which stands for Water, Air Emissions, Solid Waste, Toxins, and Energy. We'll go over examples of reducing electricity and solid waste, teach you how to involve your facilities and environment safety and health personnel. We'll provide guidance on how to green your 5S and lean Kaizen events and many other tools specific to finding environmental opportunities. Learn more at leansixsigmaenvironment.org.